The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Predict it. 
we'll discuss futures and that way we, um, we kind of take that the news part out of it thus so every every segment we have gets its full due diligence so we're happy to be doing the show on Thursdays so y'all have something to listen to on Friday again thanks to everyone who's been listening or listener count has been growing pretty much at a rapid rate we doubled our listeners um last week compared to what we had throughout the whole show in its entirety every other week we had that amount in last week and we have almost doubled last week's viewership this week so we're really on a good progress so thanks everyone out there for listening if you haven't done so yet follow us on twitter at swinging it we've We've really cranked up our social media um, content this week. I think we both have been on there posting some stuff and we've been mixing up in the con um, the comments of places. So it's been a good time on Twitter. So be sure to follow us there. And um, with that, I mean, let's go ahead and hop right into the episode. John, you got anything you want to start us off with? No, not anything in particular. What you got for me? All right. We... Since, like I said, since we we had quite a few new listeners um, for this episode, our stock jargon with John, our educational segment, I figured we'll we would kind of discuss the origins of our trading history, how we started trading, why we started trading, and what we did when we first started trading, and then we'll also retouch based on the origins of the show, which I know we discussed in the first episode, but with a lot of new viewers, I feel like that'd be something everyone would be interested in. But also what we didn't really talk about in the first episode is what we did when we first started trading. And now that we have talked about a lot of the introductory level terms, a lot of the listeners who had traded before, they're probably ready to start trading and the market could be kind of daunting at first when you're when you first look at it like hey i don't have five hundred dollars to put straight in the market or i don't have a thousand dollars to put into a market to have capital to trade with what should i do to build that capital or how should i get started and each of us probably has a very different story on what we did at the beginning so i, I think it would be good to our newer traders out there to discuss you know kind of the origins of what we did and how we got started so John, um, first, first touch on a little bit on how you got started trading and why you got started trading. So mine goes back to, uh, middle school actually. Um, so when I was in, I think it was a history class or, um, or no, it wasn't a history class. It was something Miss jo I can't remember, but Miss Johnson was teaching a class. Um, and she taught history and math, but for some reason, I don't think it was in the math class, but anyways, uh, she wanted to teach us about, um, assets and assets growing or, or at different times, some things would, uh, rally in like the winter or rally in the spring. And so she printed off this list and we had 10,000 fake dollars to put uh, our money in. And a lot of it had like a lot of different commodities. It had different like sectors on it. And that might be why I trade that stuff today. I don't know. But so I was looking down the list. And so as we were asking questions like, well, how, you know, 
we, we, we have no idea what this even is. And so my first uh, fake trade or whatever was on coffee. So she would even post how much we were up or down, and there was like little prizes that we could do. So, you know, we kind of played that, and that kind of got my interest into uh, investing, even though I didn't know that you could really trade. It was just like, well, the value of something fluctuates. It was my first understanding that even though the prices like at the grocery store on coffee might be the same price, that the price actually does fluctuate on open markets. And you might see a little bit of that in the store, but for the most part, or, or then at least, uh, coffee was the same price. I knew what price my mom bought coffee at at the store. So it was a well, real eye-opening. Yeah. What was your mom working with? Are we talking Folgers? Is she a Maxwell House type of person? Folgers. Yeah. Folgers, yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little bit of Maxwell House, too. I mean, um, it, was a little di it was a little different. I think she switched uh, at some point. But um, so I traded coffee in the, in the class that we were having. I think it was like a sixth or seventh grade class. So it was an eye opener. But from then on, um, we used to go to uh, Walmart. And back near the restrooms, they would have a little a little crappy sign uh, between the men's and women's restroom, and it would say uh, Walmart stock price at close today. And it was they would literally just flip over this little. Um, it looked like a lottery sign. They would flip over and put the share price on it. Every time we'd go into Walmart, we'd go back to use the restroom. I'd see that price, and it would like. For five years, I always looked at that sign, and I seen the sign go higher and higher. So I was always interested in, like, man, I would like to buy some Walmart stock, but I was never old enough to get involved. But do you do you remember what one of them prices was? Yeah, so so I remember Walmart stock being like seventy three, four, five, six, seven in like two thousand and like four, five, and six. Yeah, it's like. Fifteen years ago, we're talking seventy dollars, seventy-six dollars. Yeah. Let's see what Walmart is right now. It, right now, Walmart's standing at hundred and nineteen, so up quite a bit. It's fifty-two week highs, one thirty-three, so hasn't went up too much in fifteen years. Yeah, but I, I every year I'd go in there and it'd be like a few dollars higher. I mean, I'd watch it weekly because we, you know, we go in there. You know, Walmart is the place to shop in West Virginia didn't have many other choices but uh, go in Walmart and I always go back there even if I didn't have to use the restroom and look at the sign I was always interested in it so then one day and I think a lot of people coming into the market now have a lot of the same experience but one day um, you know I, I had already moved down here in North Carolina it's been like three years ago and I was sitting there watching YouTube videos on probably music or something and then for some reason, a Robin Hood ad came up. And so I'd already had this experience, like inter interest in the market anyway. I've seen uh, zero commissions, even if you have a few dollars, because my uh, assumption was you always had to have a lot of money to invest or trade stocks or something. And they were like pitching us in, even if you just had a few hundred bucks, you could get in. And so I was like, oh man, that'd be cool. I always, you know, always interested by it. So I put a couple hundred dollars in. Well, first I put in like a hundred dollars. I think my first thing I bought was like, um, I think it was UPRO. It's like the triple leverage on the SPY. So I've always kind of 
like derivatives. And I traded that for a while, and I st- I think actually I started right in two thousand. I started at the uh, end of two thousand and eighteen, right before that big crash. So that was like a real big eye opener. Uh, you know, I always t- heard people say stocks go up and up and up. And then it was like the first big down move in like since 2016 that the stock market had done. And I had just started. So I lost, you know, I lost a little bit of money, but I only had a few hundred dollars in. So every month I added a hundred dollars, uh, added my whole um, refund check, added all the money I got for going to school. Um, and I just, I just been added every month since then. And uh, now I trade about three accounts. I recently moved from Robin Hood to Tastyworks. And I trade the bear side a lot now, so it's been a journey. Yeah, when John says um, he trades three accounts, so I mean, he's got relatives that, you know, ask him to look at it for him. So it's looking at his accounts and, and some other people's as well. Um, John also, I mean, how, probably last year you won, when you first switched to Tasty Works, you won a trading competition. Didn't yeah, you? I actually, uh, actually hadn't mentioned that on here. Um, yet it's probably dirty now. I have it underneath my desk here. But Tasty Works, um, when you sign up, and if you're going to deposit at least two thousand dollars into your account, um, you don't have to deposit it up front. You can actually open a free account, and they'll uh, have a simulated. It's it's with the real numbers of the market that's coming in, but they give you five thousand. Like it's like a paper trading account which it's based on the real market, what it's actually doing now, but it's not real money. So they give you the 5,000 and you can win up to $250. Anything over 250, you just get 250. But if you lose money, you don't lose anything, but any positive money up to 250, you actually get it. So um, right when I switched over, they were having all those uh, attacks on like um, ship, oil ships and um, drones in um, Iran. And so the volatility of oil was going crazy. So I made a couple trades in oil and actually won the 250. Uh, I don't know if that's backwards or if you can see it, but no, that's right. That's right. So, um, so I closed it out uh, right at 250 because uh, if you got to that point, you win. You just close it out and let the time expire. You basically have 14 days to uh, start as you open the account and then the, the first trade you make, you have two market days. So if you start the day, you have the rest of the day and then tomorrow and then whatever your outcome is, is what you get. But it was really fun experience uh, doing that. And so when I won that, I just went ahead and, and switched over. And the reason I switched over to Tasty Works um, is just for all the features they have and all the, you know, they, they, they're coming out with a lot more charts stuff. They're coming out with indicators and, um, just a lot of features and uh, you can look at futures on there. You can trade futures. You can see a, a lot more stuff than Robinhood will let you see, but I still, Robinhood was a lot easier to use and is a really simple the layout. Pacey works is a little bit more involved, but you do get the benefit of the added features that they uh, have, but it's been a real fun experience. And, uh, you know, I was telling Chris uh, when I first moved, when I first got down, when I moved to North Carolina and then got into 
uh, trading a little bit. I was telling Chris, I was like, man, you should get in this. This is really cool. And That's because you wanted the free stocks Robin Hood would give you. Yeah, I was trying to give you my free link. I was like, man, sign up. You'll get a free stock. You can get involved in this, whatever. So I actually don't know when you uh, actually – first uh, started or got involved but uh, that's my story so I'm curious to see uh, when you got involved. Yeah so I didn't sign up to Robin Hood until I don't know maybe beginning of fall last year 2019 and that's because I, I went to um, undergrad got a civil engineering degree and then I went to graduate school here at um, in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech so go Hokies and so just in graduate school, it's a lot of work. I mean, you have your assistantships and that sort of thing um, that you get a paycheck for as well as they help you pay for school. But I mean, it's not a lot. So most of the, my money went towards paying the rent and power and that sort of stuff. So I, I didn't feel like I, I really, you know, had enough money to put in, which I, I'm learning now, which is one of the things we're trying to teach everyone that, you know, even, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. So if you can do that, like, say put in 20 bucks every two weeks, every paycheck, you'll eventually have enough to the trade. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, I got into Robin Hood kind of when I first uh, started my actual job and was getting a, you know, a, a normal paycheck every week. I actually get paid every week. I know most people get paid every two weeks, but actually get a paycheck every week. And the way I started was, you know, similar to, to John, actually, I, I did Robin Hood, and I'm still on Robin Hood, kind of because of what he said. It's it's so easy to use, and you know, I, I have a full time job, so I can't just be on my phone all day looking at at stocks. Robin Hood is so easy, just to type in my pen and you know look at it and even make a trade. I mean, I can do that all in like less than a minute, two minutes. So there's really um, no issues. It doesn't take away from my work if I walk to the bathroom or, you know, take a walk or anything like that, I, I can do that. And, or even at my desk real fast. So Robin Hood's real easy to use. And especially if you're a beginner out there, I would encourage um, you to maybe start off with, with Robin Hood because even transferring your money there is so easy. Tasty works is the same. You get a thousand dollars where it just goes live immediately. There's no waiting days, but I, I mean, it's just so simple to use Robin Hood that I would encourage new traders to use Robinhood and then maybe once you get a feel and actually build up your portfolio to maybe like a thousand, two thousand dollars at least, then maybe switch to a different service. But the other good thing about Robinhood, I know I'm telling my origin story and we kind of got off on a Robinhood thing, but like John said, Robinhood, everything is is free. There's no commissions or fees for trading. You you can't trade futures, but there there's no fees for trading. So whatever you trade, that's I mean that's what you're you get i mean it's not most most companies like even tasty works or e-trade they have you know high you know pretty high fees sometimes tasty works doesn't but some of the older ones their fees are a little bit higher but of course people were trading on there or trading like if you're on e-trade you're probably you're not trading a thousand dollars you're you know you got 20 40 grand in your account so the fees not as much you know but if you're only uh, i don't know it's always better to not pay fees, basically. But um, yeah, so the way I started was kind of similar to John. Um, I think the very first amount I put into Robinhood was just $100 straight up. And then and then I would put a little bit of money each week and each, each week, which was each paycheck and kind of 
how much I put in was always different. I would basically, the way I would do it was find a stock I like, and then depending on what the price is, so say it's a $5 stock, I might say, all right, I'm putting in $25 to buy five shares of this $5 stock or whatever. But um, at the beginning, what I did was kind of, I went in as, okay, $100, that's really not enough for me to trade, like swing trade, because say, say you trade $100, a 10% gain would only be like a $10 profit. In my head, it's like, well, I don't want to risk $100 to make $10. So I wanted to build up my capital to a certain point before I actually started trading. So what I did was find stocks I like, and I would just buy a couple each week, and I may buy the same stock for a month or in a row or something like that, or I may switch up stocks depending. But I wanted to build a portfolio where I actually have a bunch of stocks at one time, and then as those rise, that also increases my, my capital. So I'm putting in each week, which is increasing my capital, and then I have stocks that are going up, and also increasing my capital. And then once my account was worth a certain amount of money, then that's when I kind of, you know, jumped full into the actual swing trading. And I would say, I don't know, it may have been December or something, or even January before I was full on like trading on an everyday basis. Like every day I'm on Robinhood looking at stuff, trading. So. So it was a while, a few months, anyhow, of me just, you know, building up my portfolio. And, and that's the way I did it. And John seemed kind of the same, except he was putting in a little bit more at, at one time. And then, of course, he, he was putting in, you know, tax returns and, and that sort of thing. I didn't really put in tax returns or, or that kind of money. But, um, you know, if I would make an extra money, so say – I like gambling on football sometimes. So say I won a, won a football bet and, you know, won $20, then I would put that $20 into my trading account rather than back into my bank. And it was just like I, I never had it because my FanDuel account had my money in there that I gambled with. And then after I won, you know, I mean, you just put it back in and then you never notice it's gone or anything because it's not in your bank ever or coming out of your bank. So that's, that's kind of what I did, and um, it's kind of the my origin story. Before we jump into how um, how the podcast got started, I mentioned um, you know one more thing on Robinhood, and that's kind of the, another reason it's good for beginners is some of the protections on there. So basically, I mean, you can turn it off if you want, but the default in the settings for Robinhood is to have the day trade protection on because you're not technically allowed to day trade. Um, and that's an SEC rule unless you have, I think it's at least $25,000 in your account. So technically you can day trade, but if you do it um, consistently, the SEC might put restrictions on what you can do because your account's not worth the $25,000. And I know we've discussed before, but to be labeled a pattern day trader, that means you made four day trades within one week. And that's not like Monday to Friday one week. That's like if I make a day trade on Wednesday, that counts as one day trade till next Wednesday. So you, you have three day trades to play with if you like get into a stock 
and it just really tanks right away. You can jump out in one day, and that's not a big deal. But you can't do Robin Hood makes it. I think it's actually five to get away with pattern day trade trader, but Robin Hood won't let you do your fourth. They'll like cut if you do a fourth, they'll cut off your day trading. So that's a good protection for beginners. Apparently. Um, also, like if you kind of forget that, it just won't let you do the trade. So that helps out there. And then also, they kind of limit what you're able to do, what type of trades you're able to make at the beginning until you have built up your experience. So like when you first start, you can trade any kind of stocks, however many stocks you want, but you cannot trade options. You cannot trade spreads and Robinhood, you still can't trade futures. But as you gain trading experience, and I don't even know what the levels are, but as you make trades, after you make a certain amount of trades, then you can go in your settings and turn on options and they'll allow you to sign up and turn on, on options. And then you're able to trade options, but you're still not able to trade spreads. And then once you gain some experience trading options, then it'll let you go back in and turn on spreads. And now you can turn trade spreads. So they basically make you learn how to trade first rather than just jumping into something where you can lose a lot of money because options you can kind of lose your head real fast as compared to just buying regular stocks which you know you can't lose as much right away john you got anything else to add on what you did when you first started trading how what you looked at like what kind of stocks and that sort of stuff and john mentioned his i guess whatever his first trade was did you mention what your your first trade was yeah on the actual stock exchange i'm pretty sure it was uh upro upro yes yeah, so i don't even know what upro is um i would say my first um the first stocks i bought for my portfolio was probably ford because i mean if you listen to the last episode we had my dad on he was a big ford guy my whole family has four trucks. He's owned, that's, John mentioned learning in school. My introduction to the stock market was my dad's always had, you know, investments in companies like Ford and other companies like that, that, you know, you get your dividends, but those are more of an investment rather than a trade. So he's always had a bunch of stocks like that. And I knew about that. So that's kind of how I learned about stocks and, I knew them more as investments, kind of like John did. And then as, you know, I got to college, I learned like, hey, you can like trade these on a, you know, very short time basis and just, you know, treat it like a side job and extra money. So started doing that. Um, but John, do you have anything else on like what you actually did, what your approach was when you first started? Yeah, I mean, I when I first started, I was really bullish um, because we had that big dive in 2018. And, you know, I was, I've always liked learning about macroeconomics. So from what I was seeing in 2018 um, was that we were going to go back up because the interest rates were still, um, hot, well, much higher than they are now. And so I, I always thought, you know, if Jerome Powell came out and started cutting interest rates, that would give the market kind of a boost. And UPRO is a triple leveraged ETF on the S&P 500. So I was buying UPRO and I, so UPRO is 3X. So I basically took a third of my money and put in UPRO and the rest in cash. As the market went down, I added more and more UPRO, which made me more and more bullish or, um, you know, I was very leveraged to the upside. 
but then the market started rebounding. I basically bought at the bottom in 2018 and rode that all the way about halfway up until things started to slow, not really slow back down, but it was getting back to about back to where it was. And so I pulled out a UPro. I kept a little bit of money in UPro, and then I would like scalp around the position or day trade, not really day trade, but like a swing trade around my core position. So I would hold UPro, a small amount of UPro, and then I would take my cash and I would buy in on the down days and sell on the up days, kind of back and forth. And then, um, then I kind of looked at a little bit of dividend stock. So I add UPro, and then I would hold. PEY and get the dividend from PEY, but also have my levered position. And then I just started looking into more. My first option to trade was actually in uh, ACB. Um, I sold puts in ACB and made a few hundred bucks into that until it started uh, falling like crazy. So it started falling in, in like 2019 and I got out of it and I haven't got back in it since. But if it fell below a dollar and then they done a reverse split and then a lot of stuff's happened since then. But, um, now, now I'm, uh, since 2000, since, since the end of 2019, I've been really bearish. Um, so I, I'm kind of, um, 360 from, from where I was, or at least a 180, whatever's, uh, backwards, but I'm more of a bear now, uh, under the current circumstances. Um, so that's the only thing else I have to add. Yeah, so ours, as you can see, there's different ways to do it. John kind of jumped straight in. When he jumped in, he went straight and started trading right away on a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly basis, more swing trading, whereas I jumped in more as an investor and then later began doing the actual swing trading. And John mentioned PEY, while we won't discuss long-term investments, We'll refer you to our other episode. I think it's the one where we're done with Jerome Powell, where we discuss um, long-term investing, and PEY is actually one of the ones I have a pretty big position in, just for my you know future goals and investments. And that's a really cheap dividend ETF for like um, people who just started a job, um, younger people to get your long-term investment portfolio off the ground. And then once you make more money, then maybe you can switch over and do some noble. Yeah. And PEY has, I mean, I know we're more swing traders here, but if anyone that is listening, they're not interested in swing trading, but they like the stock market and they kind of want to know what to do with their money. Not that this is a recommendation or anything, but uh, PEY has 50 different stocks in it. And they've all increased their dividend for like the last 20 years or, or something similar to that. And they're all equally weighted. So it's not like one company is the majority of that fund. It's a super cheap fund. I mean, I think you can get like one share of it for like 15 bucks. So it's something anyone can start putting money into over the long haul. It's a really great product, I think. Uh, there's some other ones that's really close to it that are probably just as good, but PEY has a one of the biggest dividends that I've seen, and I like their underlyings uh, underlyings in it. Dominion, Dominion Energy is in PEY as well, and they have one of the highest dividends. Yeah, so PEY, I know we said we was gonna get it in a big discussion, but I mean this is just a bullshit episode, so might as well. I mean we're talking about our. Um, beginnings and I feel like a lot of people will begin more as an investor rather than a trader and whether you don't 
if you never want to trade, you still, I mean, investing is still good. So PEY, it's like John said, they've increased, all the companies in the ETF has increased increase their dividend each year for the last 10 years. If you don't do that, they'll kick you out when they index. Um, and like you said, it's pretty cheap. Right now, I think it's like right above $14. So right now it's um, really cheap. So it's really easy to get into PEY right now. Right now it's at 14 20, well, it's at fourteen twenty-five. I don't know if that's what it's closed at or if what it's moved during after hours. I guess it's only went down one cent during after hours. But um, I mean, it was at thirteen the other day. Today it was in the thirteens, and it's fifty-two week highs, nineteens. But I mean, the last few weeks it's kind of went between fourteens and you know sixteen. So even right now, if you if if you're a little worried about trading right now and you want to try the swing trade PEY, I think that you're not going to make a lot of money because it's only going to move within, you know, a dollar $52. But what you would get out of that is even if it went down, there's no reason to actually pull your money out because you can just switch over and look at it as more as an investment and in a dividend stock. So it's one of them where, you know, if things go south in it, you can just keep your money in it and just keep your long-term goals in PEY and not worry about pulling it out just because you lose money. Yeah, and here's the uh, top 10 sectors. You know, they're pretty diversified. It kind of tracks the S&P 500, but um, it just has a bigger dividend and probably not as much fluctuation. Well, the difference... The difference is um, PEY, I think it's, you know, you have the companies and the groups in here and it's a lot of energy groups that just have, high, it's, it's like your highest dividends and they increased over the last 10 years. The better stock, which is more expensive, of course, I think it's at like $66. The better ETF for dividend stocks is Noble. Again, it's more expensive. So if you First starting out, PEY is probably the, a better one to like start out with because you can get more you can get more bang for your buck. But Noble is only S and P five hundred companies, and they've increased their dividends for the last twenty five years consecutively. So and so basically, Noble makes it where you're only dealing with you know the very large companies, and they increase their dividends every year for a very long time. So. Both PY and Noble are the ones I, I would look at if you're looking at dividend long-term investing. Um, but with that, let's we can move on to you know the origin of the podcast. So if you listen to episode one, you already know the story. But basically, me and John both been trading the market. Um, I, you know, I work. I'm an engineer, so I'm in the field some, but a lot of times, you know, I'm at the computer doing some designs or stuff like that. So I pretty much listen to podcasts all day long. Um, I listen to a lot of Barstool Sports podcasts. I listen to uh, Pat McAfee's show. Definitely go listen to Pat McAfee's show if you don't already. It's a great show. Whether you like sports, don't like sports, it's funny. It's a little bit, bit for everybody. And, you know, he's just a really, really good guy over there. So, he doesn't need our shout outs, but I'm gonna shout him out anyhow. But anyhow, when I got to train the market, um, I was looking for, you know, shows to listen to, to listen to stock market talk, stock news. But all I could find was 
either really shows that were really boring where it's you know i hate to call them nerds because i mean there's nothing wrong with being a nerd and being smart but it's people who are you know talking in real, yeah it wasn't that entertaining they're real dry they're just laying out this is what it is this is this is how to do it this is um you know what we feel do these calculations stuff like that or well, I guess it's or and both, but um, the other type of shows is, you know, a more technical show where people with very um, tremendous experience and very knowledgeable people are on there talking so you can get a lot out of it. But they, those people normally don't um, think about a newer listener. Their, their audience is more for someone who has a lot of experience, who knows the market very well. So you, it's, it's real hard to follow some of the terms if you haven't been in the market that long, um, just because, you know, it's very heavy stock jargon. And that's really the main reason we started this show, because we're just a, a couple of regular guys. We don't, this isn't our full-time gig. We're not trading forty fifty thousand dollars i think we're both trading you know a couple a couple thousand dollars and that sort of thing and you know we're doing it more as a, a hobby and because we like doing it it is fun of course we both want to make money on it and it's you know just some extra side money in our pocket we've we've both done our research and you know learned a lot about the market first before we jumped in and uh so we've been able to be profitable and make some extra money on that. But I just couldn't find a show that, you know, that fits me. I like a lot of the Barstool shows where even maybe some of them are just bullshitting and goofy, but some of them are more, you know, talking about the actual sports news stuff. And that's what we want to hear to be able to talk about stocks and teach beginner stocks in, you know, regular terms and explain the, you know, the actual stock jargon terms and that really break it down in a, I hate to say dumbed down fashion, but a dumbed down fashion so people can actually learn what they are and really get it. As well as hearing from people who are in, you know, their same same shoes that aren't trading a lot of money or that sort of thing. Because it's hard to take advice from a billionaire that's telling you to do this, but he's a billionaire trading, you know, millions of dollars every day so it's a lot different than you know uh, a small time investor who's you know making a hundred dollar trade rather than making a two hundred thousand dollar trade so so we just really uh, felt like there was a hole in the market and we we thought um we could be the guys to, to fill that so again you can listen to the first episode but we talked about this probably on like a, a thursday night in may and next thing i know john's like let's do one saturday and then was not at all ready to do one wasn't even kind of ready to do one i thought we were going to you know plan for a month and, and jump in but we didn't we started on that sunday night we talked about it on thursday we recorded our first episode on sunday so in the friday and saturday we got everything set up we had to think of a name which we chose um, just swinging it because we're swing traders, but that also kind of puts in the term winging it because, you know, that's the way we were doing the podcast and, you know, that's the way we kind of do the stock market. We, we do our research, but we taught ourselves. It wasn't like we were had any formal classes. Obviously we read books and that sort of thing, but 
and listen to other people's shows, YouTube, that's stuff like that. But we didn't have like a class on like, okay, this is how I traded in the market. Neither one of us has a business degree. I took engineering business classes, but nothing like that. And that's how um, just swinging it came about. And it's, it's doing pretty good thus far. I mean, we've been doing this a month and our viewership is, is much higher than what I, I felt like it would be in, in that one month time. So, you know, let's keep on and push this thing to the moon, John. Yeah, absolutely. And something I want to add real quick is um, over on Twitter, if I can get my computer to, uh, to get to the Twitter here. Um, just want to share with you guys a little bit of what you can expect here on our Twitter page. So um, this is our official Twitter account here. I got pulled up. Yeah, it's at swinging it. So no just, but at swinging it. And so some of the posts, you know, we, we do a lot of promotion for our, um, our show, our show on the podcast, on the audio form. Um, so we have audio and we have a video on uh, my YouTube channel as well. Um, but we're also, you know, we're posting some funny stuff, you know, about the fight between Dave Portnoy, you know, the little battle that they're doing. I thought that was interesting. And the uh, you got Warren Buffett up there. And then you also have stuff. I think my, my, the last tweet we posted was um, Jim Kramer of Mad Money said, thank God I'm a country boy, and I tweeted him back, hell yeah, Jim, ee. So we got some funny stuff on there as well as, you know, more serious news and that sort of stuff. Keep yeah. showing. Find one of our more serious type ones. Yeah, and then Chuck E. Cheese, uh, they went off the gold standard, so uh... – I guess that's why they're failing, this guy's saying. But just some yeah. funny stuff we see um, that, you know, we think you guys get a laugh out of and can get some entertaining. But then we also have some stuff uh, that I put out. I think this is going to be a, a little series that I'm actually going to do on our Twitter feed. It's going to be uh, something to consider. So I'm going to put out a little bit of content of this is something to consider when trading. And today's was if you normally buy 100 shares of something, instead of just buying the shares, you can sell it at the money put, which means the, the put that's just underneath the stock price, you would sell that put with 45 days to go or the closest to it and just do that every 45 days or however long that you would normally hold those 100 shares of stock. And there have been studies that show that that reduces your volatility of your uh, position in that company or stock or ETF, whatever it is you're trading, you actually outperform and reduce your risk. So that's just something that, I, uh, that I'm going to start on our uh, Just Swinging It podcast with all the other stuff that we're doing. And you're going to do that once a day, some, something to consider each day? Uh, I, think, I think I'll start off with uh, once a day. Um, and then as I run out of uh, some things, I'll probably go to once a week. Okay, so yeah, something to consider. And John mentioned puts there. He's talking about buying options instead of the shares. If you don't know much about options, we're gonna we haven't finished discussing everything about the stock market and like analysis type and that sort of stuff yet. But we're gonna since we both trade options a lot and we discuss options on here. We're on Monday. We're gonna start our options series in the stock jargon with John, and we're gonna teach y'all some stuff, some beginning stuff about options, and then we'll come back to you know 
some of the other regular stock type stuff. But we, we definitely want to talk about options thus so y'all can follow what we're, we're talking about because when we're discussing what we're actually trading, a lot of the times it's, it's options. And um, those are just our tweets, but you might see us in some, some big traders like Jim Kramer in the comments mixing up. We, we have a good time. I, there's an account called um, Stock Cats. Is that what it is? Yeah. And that's another Twitter account. So if y'all's listening, go ahead and follow their account. It's a pretty big account, but they basically only tweet stuff that's a mockery of stuff and funny stuff. He tweeted something about Chuck E. Cheese earlier. And um, basically, it's talking about him after 10 beers and Chuck E. Cheese saying the band is pretty good. And we got on there and replied to, to him. We, we congratulated him on having a victory over the mice. So the cats always beat the mice. And that's, the only, that's really the only thing that's um, right in the world right now is <laughs> taking down Chuck E. Cheese. So, um, yeah, definitely follow us on Twitter. We're, we're putting out a lot of stuff here, well, every day at this point. Um, with that, John, let's, let's jump into um, some news stories and, um, you know, just go through a couple, couple news stories from this week. Um, I'll get your take on them. I'll give my take. Some of them are going to be kind of serious stuff. Some of them are going to be kind of, you know, fun, joking around type, type articles. So, just discuss all kinds of stuff that's happened in the stock market. And then anything else John wants to add, we can add in there too, whether it's news or not. So I got a list of stuff I have. John, if you can think of something, you can add them in too. Um, first, well, I guess we'll start off with the pen stuff since we've been talking about Dave Portnoy and John mentioned it there on the Twitter. Um, and I have a big position in pen. It was announced by the CEO of pen, Jay Snowden, this week. Pen has now opened. 30 of their 41 venues are now now open. So that's a pretty good outlook. And that caused a huge spike in pin on Monday. I think it went from $31, $32 all the way up to $36. Obviously, we had a couple down days um, the last two days. So it's kind of back down to the $32 level now. But it, it was a big spike. So if you I'm keeping mine for more of the down the road, so I didn't want to get out of them. But if you had pin on Monday at the thirty-one dollars, you could sold you could sold them at thirty-six and made a, a pretty hefty profit right there. And then another thing I had to add on that, and the reason I'm keeping them for more of the down the road is it's been talked about for a while now, but I, I've seen a lot more news about this week, and it's a pretty big deal. The Penn Barstool Sports Gambling app is coming out in quarter three. So I think Penn's quarter two earnings is at the very end of July, maybe July 30th. So sometime in quarter three, their actual Barstool Sports Sports Gambling app is coming out. And they pretty much everyone at Barstool Sports are huge sports gamblers. They have a lot of sports gambling content. So I expect when this app drops, that there'll be a big rise in Penn National stock because this is a pretty big deal. Right now, they don't have, Penn doesn't have a mobile app, a mobile sports gambling app. You would have to be at their casino. So anytime a casino adds an app where you can do it from your phone, if you're in a area where gambling is legal, which is a lot of states at this point, and it's increasing every year, uh, 
it's a big deal. So when they release that in quarter three, I expect a pretty big jump in pin. And they said quarter three, but in my head, I'm thinking it's going to be mid-August, right before football season. John, wouldn't you agree that's probably when it's – if you were going to release an uh, app, you would be right before sports? Yeah, I mean, I'll wait until, um, you know, people are talking about sports again coming back and hit them, hit them right before that so they can open up their accounts and get ready for it. I mean, college football starts – I guess they have the week zero now. That's the kind of the last week in August, and then the actual season starts one week after – um, everyone really plays one week after that, and then the NFL is one more week beginning of September. So I expect it to be the end of August. So we're right around the corner. So I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm hoping to make some money. So that was my, my pin news for the week, and then we can add in how – uh, a little bit Dave Portnoy's war against the suits are going. I've, I've seen John share a bunch of stuff. You got any new takes on that, John, on his war against the suits? Yeah, I, it's, it's kind of bothering me. And I'm not – I'm kind of in the middle of this. And it's hard, I'm not you, it's hard for you to be on – the, the stance you're about to take on Dave's side because as a as a bear and a real calc you make really calculated trades and you are you make almost you make basically trades that are so high probability they're pretty much going to happen and you're you're real conscious of that so people would think that you would fall more on to like a the side of like a Warren Buffett or a big investor but that's not really the case which is obvious because. I mean, you're more of the clientele on the other side where they're kind of talking down to right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be surprising of, of my stance on this. It's, it's one of those things where my trading isn't – like, it doesn't matter what someone else does. Like, I'm trying to stand alone in my trading in a, in a fashion of um, – it's based on me, not based on anybody else. Like I, I want to be able to be the reason why I make bad trades and the w reason why I make good trades. I don't want to, I don't want to even consider that someone else is the reason why I'm doing well or bad. Like if I'm doing good, I don't want it to be because of someone else. And if I'm doing bad, I don't want it to be because of someone else. I want to be able to control my own uh, success or, or failure for that matter. Um, and to think that some of these guys that's been doing it a while are blaming him for their losses, it's like it's like it's just you know a lot of the world's becoming like let's blame everybody but ourselves type. I don't like that to begin with. But I, I don't think they're blaming him for their losses. I think they're they're blaming him for people using Robin Hood and that sort of stuff, which I do not – I don't actually think is the, the case. And they're, they're kind of mad at the way he's tra trading. But – and you kind of see a lot of people post on Dave's comments, of course, about trading. I don't necessarily – there's definitely some people who are probably doing the same trades as Davey Day Trader or – DDTG, Davey Day Trader, Global Global. But um, yeah, you gotta have two globals because one's not good enough. But um, I don't I don't necessarily think people are just trading what Dave is trading. I think they're just tweeting and having a good time on the comments, having fun. I don't think just because you someone tweets stocks always go up, they're necessarily just are trading what Dave trades. 
Yeah, I mean, the market, it, I mean, you know, I was trading these E-minis just a few minutes ago, I mean, before we started the show. And, you know, there's there's tons of people out there trading uh, in institutions, individuals, businesses. I mean, there's just so many people out there. Bit, You know, even, even though he has a very large following, I mean, he probably can influence the market, but I don't think that in the grand, grand scheme of things, that you know people are just following what he's doing i mean I, I know that he probably has some people that are following every trade of course but you know having that big of audience i'm sure some people are doing it but i would say for the most part i mean from what i've seen of it it's like I, i'm really supportive of him and i haven't seen like from the media like there was a tweet today and I, I don't know if i can pull it up there was like a video he like shared a video of I, I don't know if it was like cnbc or or where it was but they were talking about how they seen this in 2000 where the dot-com bubble happened and all these uh, retail traders were involved and uh, kind of like bashing them like they're idiots and stuff and I do agree to an extent that markets, when they get overvalued, you do see a lot of people come into them. But I don't like, I don't understand why they're so against bringing people to take control of their own finances. Like, that's a good thing. Yeah, and they're mad at the way Dave's doing it, but they don't, they're not even considering the fact that Dave is in the content business. He's when Penn came in, he's worth Dave's worth over a hundred million dollars at this point. I think he he has a lot in his account. I think he's trading day trading like seven million dollars, which is a lot. But people are not considering the fact that if Dave loses a million dollars, the amount of views and merchandise and stuff that he's going to sell that that makes up for that he i mean it doesn't it's not hurting it's not going to hurt dave on a daily basis if he would even if he lost seven million dollars like it's not taking food off the table or anything like that so you gotta think that dave's doing this you know he, he definitely wants to like make money and he's competitive and he's going to increase he was just doing it because there wasn't sports gambling and he wanted something to fuel that fire but He's one of the type of people that holds grudges. We're talking about a guy who I was telling John earlier, since John don't really keep up with bars. So we're talking about a guy who every time someone wrongs him, he buys a bottle of Ace's Ace of Spades champagne, which is pretty high dollar champagnes, and writes their name on it and keeps it in his office for when their career crashes and he's still doing what he's doing. He um, pop that bottle of champagne and drink to their failures. This is the type. Of, so now that they're trashing him. I mean, I don't see Dave ever quitting trading at this point. He's going to be full in. Yeah, and they and they trash him, but then they won't let him on there. I've seen some of his tweets about how they wouldn't book him to come on, but it's yeah, just yeah. There was a show today that he was. Um, they were, I think it was Howard Marks, which we're definitely going to. I have Howard Marks on my sheet on down the road. We'll probably do him next. He was trashing Dave, and Dave. Um, you know, he he lives in New York, so a lot of these shows are filmed in New York. He called him up and was like, hey, if y'all's going to talk bad about me, at least let me come and defend myself. And they, they told him there was no room. They couldn't fit him in, but yet half the show was talking about him. Now, the one suit who is full on Dave's side at this point and is having a good time with it is Jim Kramer from Mad Money. Him and, him and Dave are getting pretty tight. But 
the main thing is with the Dave thing, it's not just Dave against the suits. It has converted to now all these, all the suits and the big time investors are just mad at, you know, the small investor, the new person looking to get into the market, the, the individual investors. And there's been tons of articles and comments from these billionaires and people who own these hedge funds that are mad that there's so many new individual investors saying that they're ruining the market and that sort of stuff. In my opinion, trading is for everyone. There, it, you should be able to trade with $100, the same as you can trade with a billion dollars. And we're not saying just jump in and not know what you're doing and just buy a bunch of stuff, waste your whole savings, but you know, put some money aside, learn some stuff about the market and you can make money in it the same as someone who has an MBA or something else. We're, we're perfect examples. Both of us are making a profit in it and we're, neither one of us has any of the credentials. We're kind of the people, the guys talk, um, these big time people are talking about it. And honestly, I think they're just mad because it's kind of messing up their uh, logarithms. They've been doing this for so many years and they basically have Excel spreadsheets that they can just plug stuff in and basically tells them the exact point of when to buy it and that sort of stuff. But now that there's, you know, individual investors who are buying stuff, I know, again, we're talking about trading a small amount of money, $1,000, but I think they said there's been 3 million new Robinhood accounts this year. So if you do 3 million multiplied by a thousand, I mean, there's a lot of money going into the market and some people obviously are trading more. I got a little more than a thousand in there, a couple thousand. And then obviously some people are trading less. So while they are right that some people are not doing enough research and learning first and that they may crash and burn, I don't think the majority will crash and burn and to blame Dave on the reason that so many people are jumping on Robin Hood and are trading stocks is, is ridiculous. I actually looked up last week and it came out the average age of the, the investor on Robinhood is like 31, 32 years old. So if it was Dave's spot, that average age would be like 23 years old, 22 years old, 25 years old. It wouldn't be 31 years old. We're talking about people who full grown, have well-established careers, full families, stuff like that is the average Robin Hood investor. So that's not a Dave Portnoy doing. That's people learning that you don't have to have an MBA. You don't have to have thousands of dollars to trade the market and make money and that there's room for, there's ways to do it for everyone and everyone wants a, a piece of that action. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of some of the bigger investors wants it, wants it all for them. And if you, and I mean, if you look at it from their eyes, if you're a billionaire, John, and um, you know, you own an investment company where people come and give, give you their money and they do the investments for you, kind of like you um, do with some of your family members, that sort of thing. Um, they get a commission for all the profits they're making. So now if people are learning, hey, I don't need to take this to a financial advisor or a investor and have them do it for me. I can learn and do it my own and cut out that commission I'm paying them and add that to my profits where you're taking business away from them. So I think that's the main root of it is that most of these people are talking own investment firms and you know, you're, they want you to come, come give it to them so they can get their commission.
You agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. I, you know, there, I could see where those people are mad because, but I think that was the shift anyway. I think this is something that was coming. Uh, people are going to be individual investors instead of relying on other people to tell them to do it with their money because they're finding out that those people don't know any better or know any more than they do. And it kind of shows in a market like this. Yeah, it's a little crazy right now. And a lot of times the logarithms and the really well-developed systems do work and you'll make a profit over a long period of time. But sometimes the market's not the same as it's ever been. And that's shown right now. A lot of these big time investors returns are, are bad right now. They're doing bad. Like Warren Buffett, I think is losing money right now. I don't think I haven't checked his stuff in a while, but I don't think he's off. And like we discussed with my dad, the S and P 500 kind of goes up about 8% every year or the market in general goes up about seven, 8% every year. Dave kind of body bags them when they talk shit about his strategies and then he puts up his chart and, you know, he's at 20% or 25% up and then Warren Buffett or somebody may be at like 7% up or 6% up. And it's like, you're talking shit about me and I'm, you may not agree with the way I'm doing it, but I'm, I'm also making money. So why, why are you still talking? And again, he's doing a lot of it for content. I think last week I watched him pull Scrabble letters out of a bag and drop 200,000 in it. So that was pretty cool. I mean, whether you agree with him or not, something like that is fun to watch. We're not talking about $50. We're talking about he pulled some letters out of a bag and put $200,000 into the system right there. So that's pretty fun. And then he had a tweet last night, which I think we shared on our Twitter as well talking about all these people are talking about him while they're trading other people's money and losing other people's money. He's like, I'm trading my own money. And I, when I lose, lose some, I admit I lose some people can follow me on YouTube or whatever and watch, watch me lose it. But he's like, I'm trading my money. I'm not trading other people's money. It's, it's easy to talk when it's not your money that you're, you're messing with. So I, I thought that's, I mean, that's commendable. Like how can you, be mad at a guy who's, you know, he's trading his own money. Like, what are you bitching about? But anyhow, John mentioned um, the video with Howard Marks talking, and that's my stooge of the week. I know here in the last few weeks, we went at a couple people for the same thing. I'm going to go at Howard Marks a little bit here. He's, if you don't know who Howard Marks is, he's basically Warren Buffett is kind of probably the biggest named investor. Howard Marks might be 1B. Would you agree? I honestly don't know who the hell that is. You don't know who he is? So he's basically Warren Buffett. I think Warren Buffett even said, if I think there was even a quote from Warren Buffett where he says, if I get on and I see an article or an email from Howard Marks, I open that right away because I can learn something that's going to be very helpful. So, I mean, it's he's a, big he's a billionaire. So, anyhow, so John's going to learn a little something here. Howard Marks is basically the same as Warren Buffett. He owns an... He owns an investment company called Oak Tree Capital or Oak Tree Investment or something like that. And he was on basically on CNBC, which is what John was talking about. And he was basically saying it's not healthy to have people buying stocks for fun on the market. And then the same thing talking about reminds him of the dot-com bubble and that sort of stuff. And, you know, again, what? Is that the guy that was saying that? Yes. 
same guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen that, but I didn't I didn't know who he was. Yeah, same same guy, Howard Morris, talking about the dot-com bubble and that's not healthy that everyone's buying stocks right now. And again, we agree that people should do their research and learn some stuff first and you know make informed decisions, but we disagree with the fact that regular people can't make money in the market. Anyhow, he was doing all that on CNBC, talking about the Robin Hood investors and, you know, really trashing the Robin Hood investors. And he, again, he also has on here talking about Dave Portnoy, which is why Dave wanted to go on the show and talking about how it reminds him of the dot-com bubble and all that. Here's a tweet of Dave actually going with them. Dave's response back was another poor, sad billionaire is mad that people are making a tons of money besides him and Warren. Poor old Howard. So that, that was a pretty funny tweet. But basically, he was just going at the um, Robinhood type investors and the other, not just Robinhood, but other platforms that have zero commissions and stuff. So that's another, that's another thing. When you're out front saying, talking about specifically platforms that have zero commissions, that's basically you're mad because you're someone's not paying you to trade for them. Anyhow, he owns a really successful company called Oak Tree Capital. You want to know what they specialize at Oak Tree Capital, um, John? What do they specialize? Uh, managing people's money? No, they specialize in buying. Well, they do manage people's money, but that's the type of stocks they buy for people and invest people in. They're big on distressed debt stocks. So basically, they're a distressed debt fund, um, firm, which if you don't know what distressed debt is, that basically means that Oak Tree Capital on when these companies are having a failing business, so say Hertz, but they, they've already filed for bankruptcy, so probably not them, but a company that's, you know, having a hard time and losing money, Oak Tree will come in and buy their debt, they'll buy stocks from them, basically helping them pay their lenders back and get them out of debt, and now Oak Tree has the stocks, and they've made a lot of people a lot of money by doing this. So, to me, it's a, it's pretty hypocritical to be, you know, the one easy one to um, point at right now is people trading Hertz. Again, we don't know that you should be trading Hertz either, especially more than just like if you're not day trading it, definitely not because they are in such a bad spot. But this is a company, this is a guy who's, you know, talking down to people who's trading stocks like that, and he owns a company that buys stocks like that that's his main thing is buying distressed debt so that's a that's the most hypocritical thing i've ever ever seen his whole company basically is based on buying these um stocks from these failing companies to help them help them get out of debt thus when they're out of debt the stock goes up they sell their stocks and they make money that's how they make money so i that's just one of the things that i, I saw today and just rubbed me the wrong way because I saw the Howard Marks thing and I was like, well, I don't know much about Howard Marks. And I looked up Howard Marks and really dug into the Oak Tree Capital and found, this is what I found, that, that that's what how they trade is, you know, this distressed debt. But because I guess because he's a billionaire and he owns this big company, he's allowed to do it, but everyone else is dumb when they do it. I don't know, John. What do you think about that? I think, what a fucktard. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying 
Howard Marks isn't a smart guy. Howard Marks is a really smart guy. He's, you know, created a bunch of big companies and is a billionaire, basically, basically self-made billionaire. Now he does have the MBAs and that sort of stuff. But I think it's just a hypocritical to basically talk down about people doing the same thing that you basically do your whole company's built around. So, I mean, that that's just, I just had to mention that while we were talking about Barstool, talking about the Howard Marks thing. Um, on the opposite, opposite side of that, there's a guy from Yahoo Finance, which I don't really care for much about Yahoo as a company, but Yahoo Finance is one of the easiest ones to look at the charts. So we use Yahoo, Yahoo Finance a lot to look at charts. I don't know that I necessarily read a bunch of financial articles and stuff from Yahoo Finance, but I did see one today by a guy named John Cesar. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but John Cesar of Yahoo Finance. And the title was, you need to invest in the stock market ASAP. And this is basically a guy on the opposite side of the spectrum. He's basically saying the same thing we're saying, like, hey, the market is down right now. And he, his article wasn't about trading. His article was about long-term investments. He's like, he's telling people why you need to invest for the future in long-term investments. And he was saying right now, a lot of these companies are very down and very low that now's a good time to get in on some of these companies if you didn't have the money to get in before now's a time where you can afford to get in and actually get enough volume to get some value so he's kind of on the other side like us john no, i think that's good and i actually um pushing gears a little bit i want to um, talk about something that we talked about before on the podcast we were talking about privacy with these big companies and things that they're doing, they're tracking our data, they're storing us. Uh, something that came out a day ago is Google just announced that it will automatically delete your location history by default. You don't have to go in and actually change it to delete your information. Uh, it's automatically set uh, that way from default. So that's something cool that these companies are starting to realize that, hey, our privacy matters and that they're going to have to comply a little bit more, some of them yeah. at least. So I think it's an important uh, yeah. But while saying that, I mean, Google's still keeping your information. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a small it step really in that in a direction. People, but they're definitely still keeping your information and selling your data, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they for sure are. But I mean, your actual location and stuff is kind of a big one for me. Like for me, I don't really care so much. They know what I like and what to sell me and all that stuff because those are things that I probably buy anyway. It just helps me find them faster. But knowing where I'm at and that kind of thing, yeah, I would. I like that they're deleting it. Yeah, the one thing I don't really like about it is, you know, the whole the whole data thing, because. I mean, who knows? So at one point before I went to get my master's in engineering, I was actually looking into going to law school to be a defense attorney because, you know, you see all the time how some of these, these prosecutors, you know, treat people. They're, this isn't a um, law show, but just so if people don't really know this, prosecutors are voted in on election. So if they don't win cases, they basically won't get reelected. So it doesn't really matter whether 
they really think you did or whether you actually did something or anything like that, if your name as a suspect gets put in in there into them and they have any evidence at all that you were in that area or anything like that, I mean, you could get tried for a crime that you had nothing to do with and they're going to fight it full-heartedly as if you you know they had all the evidence in the world and this is because whether they think you did or not because they need to win cases to get reelected. so at one point i wanted to be a defense attorney because you know these prosecutors are a lot of times pretty pretty dirty however so i mean i'm into law shows and into you know wait, wait, wait. speaking of that speaking of law shows and what you just said have you seen the um the series for life um for life it sounds dude, familiar dude it's so good if you like that stuff oh my gosh watch that is that the 50 cent yeah it's got 50 cent in it yeah no you mentioned it i haven't watched it yet I'll have dude, it. it is so good it is so good it's about a guy and it's a, it's about a guy that was convicted of, of a drug crime that he didn't actually do and the defense attorney pinned it on him because they were just trying to win cases. Exactly. Prosecutor, not defense attorney, prosecutor. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah, the the, the uh, prosecuting attorney, uh, they like nailed him with it and done all this shady stuff that goes against what our law system's supposed to stand for. And um, and he really didn't have a defense for for the case. So it's really good. I mean, definitely watch it. Yeah, the prosecutors they they'll leave out a lot of witnesses or leave out evidence that helps you prove you didn't do it because it hurts their case. So that's one of the things that speak essentially you got off on a tangent on the show. I mean, everyone probably saw the movie that came out. I probably came back before all this Corona happened. It was called just mercy. Um, it's actually free. Or if you got Amazon prime, it's actually a free movie right now to, um, you know, kind of support the, racial injustices that are going on so they actually may even though this is a recent movie it's actually free to watch on amazon it's called just mercy and it's basically about a guy who got um convicted of a crime he didn't do and kind of like we learned the stock market while he was in prison he learned the law and he actually represented some other inmates in their cases while in prison so he's in jail he actually learned the law and then represented some other inmates in their cases and then he fought his own case to um, basically get himself released and prove that he didn't actually do it and i'm pretty sure it's a, a true story but they made a movie obviously the movie's not the same guy but that actually did but it's, it's a true story and there's a movie on amazon prime right now that's free so uh, if you're into that stuff i would watch that movie as well it's a good movie but um back to what we were talking about about the data I mean, I, at work sometimes I'll switch it up, listen to some true crime prod podcast. The one I'm listening to right now is one called Court Junkie. So if you like that sort of stuff, I'll go listen to Court Junkie. This girl basically for the last three years, she just breaks down one case. And I don't really like the murdery, rapey, the actual gore part of it. I like the, the court part. So, and that, and that podcast focuses a lot more on the, when they're in trial rather than when they're in the like actually gory details of murders and that sort of stuff. I don't like watching shows where it's mostly just killing and that sort of stuff. I like the crime, the court stuff. But anyhow, I mean, when you listen to stuff like that on a regular basis, say, say you're in Charlotte 
or something walking around, someone gets shot on the street and you're the first one there, you turn into police, you're obviously going to get questioned and stuff right away. You might not be a suspect, but you're going to get questioned. But then when you do that, all these, I mean, they're going to do a deep dive on your histories and everything. If they see that, hey, you've been listening every day, two hours, a show about murders and stuff like that, then now all of a sudden it's like, well, he's been listening to stuff like that. Is he getting ideas or stuff like that? So I always listen to the show. I never look up. I never look up the actual people. I would like to look up the the people involved to read more about them, but I, I stay away from that because I don't want that in my, my Google history. Because I don't want them to say like, hey, he's got a murder site or something. So that's kind of about the data thing that I don't know. It's not really related to stock market, but we did talk about the, the data thing with Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Um, the next... Um, new story I have, which I think is a good discussion, especially right now, is back to Jim Cramer and Mad Money. He actually, on the show the other day, or it may have been an article, he was, and he, he re-emphasized on some of his tweets, he, he put it out there that, hey, there's nothing wrong with taking profits on winners. So, like, for example, right now I have Penn, and I'm holding it for a while, and I want it to keep going up. He, basically, he's saying right now, some of your investments, if you've already won where it's so volatile right now, there's nothing wrong with selling some of that and taking some of the, the profits out. So it's not in there for you to lose. You don't always have to, you don't always have to make an investment and leave it in there 10 years. Or you can take the profits. And um, I think this is a good point that that's especially a person who is, you know, swing trading or something or looking for some extra money. What's the, you, you have to know at some points, and I mean, John, you and I both probably don't do the best job we could at this. What's the point of trading if you're never going to take them, take a little bit out and use it, you know? And so I agree with, you know, if you're, you get up and he's not even take, talking about taking it out of your account. He's just saying, if you're, if you're up $500, don't sit around waiting to be up $1,000 that you, you might, it might take another year. Go ahead. I mean, take that $500 out and you can, you can put the money elsewhere and do it again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to, um, it's all about risk to reward. You know, how much are you risking? Have you already made the, the most probable outcome or is there a lot more, um, is there a lot more to make or have you already made enough or, you know, uh, these are all things to consider when you're trading. I know I, I tend to take profits a little too early. I probably need to uh, wait around a little bit more before I take profits and I would do a lot better. But um, yeah, it's something that, you know, I, I'm real big on trying to create a process rather than, um, you know, something that's very defined and like how much money per trade and, and when I actually take trades and under what circumstances and come up with a real process. That's kind of how I'm like driven anyway. But I think, I think, yeah, taking profits and, and just being aware of your risk to reward at all times. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a different trader. Mine isn't so nailed down as I put in exactly this percentage or this of, or I'm looking at these stocks or this time I, you know, keep my eye out for all stocks. I have the stocks I look at on a normal basis, but I always, I'm always in the browse looking for other stocks I like. I keep my eyes on 
on news stories and I could jump into a socket, you know, at any time if I've looked at it for a minute and I, I like the way it's headed. But even John was talking about, um, you know, taking profits out early and that sort of stuff. I, I think he was talking even like, and the reason I bring this up is because we kind of just discussed this recently. He was bringing up as far as like more of like long-term in, investments and John mentioned knowing if there's more on the bone, he, he wasn't talking about, is there more on the bone in the next month? I think he's talking about like, can you make more in two or three years? Maybe, but you've made this much now, you might be able to move that money to somewhere else and have a better, better shot at that while cutting down on, you know, taking some of the risks. So for example, say you have a hundred, hundred shares of a company and you've made, you know, let's say 20%, which is high, 20% profit. There's nothing wrong with selling, say, sell off 40 of those shares. So now you still have 60 shares, but now you have also took some of your profits. So you still have shares in there if it does continue to go up. But you've, you've also allowed yourself to, to make some profit. And the reason I bring this up really is for one, that's a good thing for new people to keep in mind that, hey, know when to take your profits. But And we're going to probably discuss knowing when to take your profits more on an educational segment down the road. But a lot of people on there, when he said this, a lot of people was giving him shit about it, talking about um, taxes. It's like, why are you telling people to do this? We, they're going to take a big tax in and stuff. And we just discussed taxes two episodes ago. And taxes are very boring, but still go listen to that episode and learn some about taxes. And it is true that you take a little bit more of a tax hit if you don't keep the security at least one year. So say you have it for three months and sell it off. Now you're ta you have to pay the same, you got to pay taxes on the profit using your income rate tax rather than the capital gains rate tax, which is about half. But if you keep it a year, you got to, you only pay, you know, 10 or 12% or the capital gains tax, which is much less. But, but my point to that is if you're trading and treating it kind of like a side job for extra money, it's, it's not a different tax rate. If you take a profit out, you're just paying your, you're just paying taxes at the same percentage as you do on your job. So it's no different than say your boss is like, Hey, do you want to work an extra shift this week? Yeah. You made more money, but you also got, tax more, but it's at the same percentage. It's the same, same here in the stock market. Yeah, you're taking profits out, but you're just getting taxed at your income rate tax. It's not really taking an extra tax. Hit. It'd be a different thing if you, if you sold it off in a year and now you, you're taking 40%, um, you're taxed at 40% or something, but it's just your income tax rate. So I don't, I don't see it any different as working a side job or working extra hours or something at work, John, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, the whole tax, um, the whole tax conversation is like you're anything you do to make money, you're going to be taxed on. So, I mean, I don't know why people get so hung up on the opportunity. Like, I think we need to understand that there's a lot of opportunity in the market. And of course you'll have to pay taxes. That's part of doing business in any aspect. So, I mean, I think uh, we just, need to focus on how we can grow and how we can uh, get better investing and not worry so much about the details on that. 
also with that is if you're holding positions for at least a year just so you get the lower tax rate so say say your income tax rate was 22 percent, and now your capital gains tax rate would be 12 percent. so you're holding a whole year to get that 10 percent less well you've you've now ate up that whole cap you've ate up all your capital for that whole year you don't have that to trade whereas if you got out and just paid the 22 percent taxes and put that money elsewhere you might end up making you not even might you it's likely that you end up making more than what you would paid extra in taxes by just having that capital to, to move around yeah we call that opportunity cost so you know you might be trying to save a uh, 10% on your gains on taxes, but you might miss this 30% gain you could have had in something else if you would have got out of that security. But yeah, I mean, uh, taxes are boring, but it's definitely a part of it. It's a part of doing business in general, but I think you got to go after the opportunity and just, uh, you know, deal with the taxes as they come. And one big point I do want to make on taxes is it's not like your your paycheck when you get paid taxes have already been removed when you trade taxes have not been removed so keep in mind how much profit you've made because when you file your income taxes at the end of the year you're going to have to pay taxes on on that uh, that amount of money you made that you haven't paid thus far so if you're making a lot say say you're doing really well and you're making a lot of money i would um suggest pulling the percent that you have to pay in taxes out and putting that to the side so it's there. So don't even look at it as part of your profit, but take that money and have it ready for taxes. It's, it's one thing if it's a, you know, you've only made two, $300 profit, your tax is not really going to be that, that large. But if you know you've made 5,000, 10,000 and you pull out your profits and you've spent that money on home improvement or something, when the end of the year comes, you're gonna to have to, you know, pay a couple of grand in, in taxes on that. So you just gotta keep in mind what you're you're gonna owe in taxes, thus to not get yourself in trouble. Yep, yep. Um another story I had this week is they released the uh, most American cars list. Tesla made its debut on the list. This is the first year um Tesla's been debuted on on the list so this this is a list basically i don't even know who does it but they release a list every year saying what's the most american car and we all we all want to be full americans i mean we don't we ain't got no communists here and sorry if we got any chinese people listening but this is america and we want to be americans full american g e anyhow they released their list and I don't know if I mentioned on the show, but I actually have a pretty a pretty new Ford Ranger from Wayne, Michigan, and the Ford Ranger made in Wayne, Michigan, was this year's number one most American vehicle. So, I'm, I'm, my hat's probably pulling, making it look bad, but I'm growing me out a mullet right here. I got the most American vehicle. Fourth of July is coming up. We're going to be going down to the farm and um, shooting off some guns and having the grand old hillbilly time down there. But boys, if you don't if you don't have any other reason to listen to this podcast, no, we're full on American made right here. Also, 
we talked about Ford last podcast, you know, my dad said he was getting in Ford and it kind of dropped. So I do think now's the, it's even better time than when he talked. I think he was talking about it was at 630. It went into the fives where we've had these couple of down days. It's at a really good point if you like trading Ford. And I'm actually, I actually have a call option that I bought when the price was at like 580s is a $6 call. I bought when it was at 580s, it's above $6 now. And I'm, I'm going to be looking to get out of that on the next update, but I've made some money on that. But moving on, uh, we're for, this is a podcast for beginners and for hobby trade, traders. So we would be doing a, a poor service if we didn't talk about Hertz on this podcast. And um, again, we do not suggest that you trade Hertz because it is a bankrupt company currently. Currently, things can change, but currently it's in a bad state of mind. So there's a lot of volatility. If you just can't withstand from your own self, trade Hertz as day trades or as options. Don't, don't trade, um, don't buy a bunch of securities because who knows what will happen. But Options are cheap enough right now that if you do have to trade them, you can buy a call for $25, $30. And if something does bad happens, oh, well, you lost $25 or $30. It's not like you can, it's not like they're $200 right now where you can really lose your, your head on them. If, if you're a gambler person and you, you want to get in on Hertz, I mean, nothing wrong with buying a, you know, a $25 option because there's, not that much risk of loss there. But the reason I mention them is because like, Jeffrey's released an article this week. And um, basically, CarMax and Auto Nation, which are two other companies which you can also trade. I think when the news came out, CarMax's stock actually improved quite a bit from this news. Auto Nation's kind of went down, but they may have other stuff involved in it. I don't follow neither one of these companies. But those are the two top candidates that may be looking to buy 150,000 used cars from Hertz and which is one third of Hertz's fleet. So they would still, so Hertz would still have about 300,000 more cars to keep, keep their business going, but they may be looking to buy 150,000 used cars, which would create about $3 billion in capital, which is more than Hertz has, Hertz has had in multiple years. I think that, so if CarMax, if a deal like this goes through, I, I look for Hertz's stock to skyrocket. I don't know that that completely pulls them out of the, the woods, but it'll definitely go a long way on paying off some of their debtors. And I think it, I think it would buy them an, another year or two to figure some shit out. They may be able to get back on track on their own, but, but it would buy them some time. So if you are watching Hertz, keep an eye open on when this deal goes when, if, and when a deal like this goes through, because this will be a big, basically I think Hertz capital right now is in the like 300 to $500,000 range. So it would jump from that to 3 billion, which is a humongous um, boost. Now, I don't know how long that would stay right there. And again, we're not suggesting you trade Hertz because it's a bankrupt company, but that is big news for Hertz, John. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that uh, hopefully it saves some jobs. Um, you know, it's a good thing, but I might short them still. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've, I've done both, actually. I've, 
when they were at 220 i had a i put a two dollar put in i sold it when they were at 170 so made some money there and then they i happened to be on robin hood as soon as this came out i think i saw it within the first five minutes and i bought a a call when it was at like a dollar fifty and i sold that when it was at like a dollar ninety eight or two oh two or something like that so i made some money on on that this week and the put was last week so i, I made money on both sides but yeah if, if hertz gets up in the two dollars without a deal like this going through a put is a good good um a good idea because it will go down and um the last article i have on here is um donald trump president donald trump um suspended some the visas for foreign workers right now due to a coronavirus crisis and there's a lot of people up in arms about about this and we're going to discuss this in more of as it relates to the stock market not a political way at all so we're not discussing how we feel about you know whether the it's morally right to suspend the visas for foreign workers or whether we like it or, or not we're not discussing any of that but i bring it up because there's a lot of companies big name companies that trade in the stock market that depend a lot on foreign workers or and have um, locations in foreign areas which may have people who come to the u.s very frequently and these companies you know are the the big time companies like apple and amazon are the ones that come to mind and if visas are suspended for these foreign workers that could put some a couple of these bigger companies in you know a, a bad spot john you there yeah yeah i was just um i, I don't know it's um I think everything is just so overpriced right now. I mean, I think everything's in a bad spot. Yeah, but this is I, this is aside from the whether the market is high, too high value or too low. I'm just saying, in general, the company, not the market. In general, the company itself. Like, if you got if you're a company that you got you know five or six foreign workers that you depend on in a big spot, and now their visas are suspended. Who had somebody else has to do that job? Like, aside from the market or just on a day to day operations oh, basis? Yeah. yeah. I don't have a whole lot of opinion on that, but it's, um, you know, a lot of that can be devastating to people. Yeah. And the one thing, if you are a foreign worker that's listening to the show, let me do let me put your mind at ease um because I, i've looked at this a little, little bit more and honestly you might know more about it than i do um foreign visas i don't know the actual designation i think there's an a and there's a b or whatever i think they're analyzed in april so even though donald trump has or or even a student so we i feel like we probably definitely have a couple um you know international students listen to the show but if you're about to graduate and you're about to go into the workforce and now you have your school visa and you're now they've suspended the work visas know that they don't really look at these and i think they hand these out in april 
So that's a long time away from now. This is solely due to kind of the coronavirus right now. Chances are by the time you, so even if you were graduating in uh, May and applying for a visa now, that's not going to, you know, you're really not going to get any word on that until the following April. So this doesn't hurt you right now. And there's also, there's also periods. So like when you first graduate from school, if you're in a STEM um, field, I think you have like two years of where a company can just sponsor you before you're even required to have a visa. So you, you have a, you have actual time. So just, just because you hear someone say that um, Donald Trump has suspended work visas, that's, that's just for the time being. And there's probably going to be a very low number of people where that's really affected in the immediate future. Now, if it lasts until April or March, then it could have a big effect. But as of right now, if you're a foreign worker, international student, you're not going to get kicked out of the country anytime soon. So just to put some minds at ease. And then the, the last thing I have for this episode is right before we came on here, um, Jerome Powell struck again, this time in a bearish manner. He's been bullish, bearish, bullish, bearish. And we talk about how he sits on, tries to sense on the fence. He gives good news and then he, he knocks it down a peg with bad news or he and or when the market's down he announces something that the feds doing this help save the market and it pushes it back up so you never know with Jerome Powell he's he's just gonna say whatever he needs to say at the time but anyhow the feds announced that they are suspending only for banks they're suspending their ability to buy back um, their own stocks until at least through September. And I'll let John explain um, if you don't understand what we're talking about, what this actually means. But it's basically where um, the banks can buy back some of their stocks from people, thus um, having less stocks available for other people to buy, thus your stock price increase, and thus when people buy those stocks, you've now created more capital. So the feds have suspended that. Banks are not allowed to do that, at least until September. And then they've also capped their dividends as well. So, so John, you want to explain a little bit more about what kind of effect um, kind of the reasons um, people do the stock buybacks, what kind of effect they can have on their business, why people do that, as well as what this cap on dividends may do to, you know, banks in the short term. So the dividend cap is kind of interesting. I guess it's to really to keep them from paying out too much money and just to have more money on hand, uh, which kind of forces them not to uh, give money to investors that kind of keep it for themselves. So I guess they're uh, more safe but the um the other thing the stock buybacks doesn't necessarily help the, well it doesn't help the company raise more money or anything what it does is it drives their um their evaluation you know what the company's worth higher because you say you have a million shares and say the profit you are making as a business you buy some of those shares, you're taking this, you're making more demand and taking away the supply. And, he, and if anyone knows supply and demand, if you have less supply and more demand, the price goes up. 
So the valuation of your company goes up. And if you're a CEO of one of these companies and you have a lot of shares and you decide, hey, I'm going to buy back our own stock, well, that makes that makes the CEO more wealthy. So basically, they're all just making each other more wealthy instead of making sure their business is sound. And then when something comes loose, like American Airlines, um, and they and they can't fly and the cash flow stop, well, that now they have all this debt and they don't have any cash because they just paid themselves basically. So it's it's something that I'm really against. Uh, it's ridiculous what this market's come to, and um, I don't know. It's it's sickening of how some of these things happen. But once again, you, you can't be focused on what other. I mean, if it if if it's a company that you're investing in, be aware of these things. But you know, as far as like if I agree or disagree with what they're doing, I try not to let it affect my trading. I still try to. Um, keep my nose down and just focus on what I'm trying to accomplish and uh, run my back tests and studies and, and keep doing what I'm doing. But these, these, uh, there's a lot of crap out there and I think uh, it's going to eventually hit the fan. I, I do think that we're in a bubble and a lot of this stuff is going to have to be paid for. And um, basically this is one of the things, one of the first things that the, I don't know if it's one of the first things. I just like talk shit about Jerome Powell. But this is um this was a way for the Fed to actually kind of protect us investors because like John said, um when they're buying back shares and that sort of stuff, they're paying basically each other and you know they're they can hurt they're not worrying about you know their actual business and they can hurt the stock prices and you know hurt the people investing in that. And then the, the dividend cap, the actual dividend cap is um, they're not allowed it's for the third quarter. They're not allowed to pay more dividends in the third quarter than they paid in the second quarter. So whatever they pay this quarter is the max that they're allowed to pay next quarter. So there'll be a case-to-case -case basis. And John mentioned um, the airline stocks. I literally just got on Robinhood and um, tomorrow the – all the major airline CEOs, so Delta, American, United, they're all having a meeting at the White House. So if you're into the travel stock, if you're like um, Davey Day Trader Global Global, um, who's big into the air stock, especially Spirit, be on the lookout tomorrow because they're, they're all meeting at the White House, so something will come out of it. There's either going to be really good news and there's going to be a bump, or there's going to be really bad news and it's going to be a drop. So I don't, I don't look for it to be in the middle. I look for their, them either to say that they're cutting more flights and more regulations on flying or that they've discussed it and they've opening up more flights. So something's going to happen tomorrow because it's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's kind of like the mob when they get the heads of the families together to discuss, even though they're actually having civil war, but they get around and have whiskeys and cigars and, you know, talk about rules in war and that sort of stuff that to me what it seems like and they're meeting at the white house so who the hell knows what donald trump's going to do but um john you got anything else for this show i i, I don't think so um well maybe um do you want to talk about predicted any now let's say predicted for monday that's that's kind of why we split up and are doing this show now on thursday for friday so we have more time on monday to discuss stuff like that Okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go over predicted on Monday, I guess. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? 
Um, oh, we were talking about the pattern day trading rule earlier. I meant to mention that uh, the the futures you that it doesn't apply to futures, and so if people do want to do day trading or kind of get into that, futures are really cool. I was actually I've been looking at them on and off. Um, the ones that trade overnight are still they're like thirteen sixteen hundred dollars to even trade one of those. But hopefully the small exchange goes 24 hours and those are only a few hundred dollars. So looking forward to that. Um, you know, I'd like to do some overnight trading just because I don't have the time to do it at work, but we'll see uh, where that goes. But I'm looking forward to, um, to uh, trading overnight and I'm looking forward to this weekend. Our band's having a little uh, get together at the drummers. We're going to have some people over and kind of put on like a little box party. So I'm uh, looking forward to that tomorrow. And I have my second interview on Saturday. So more updates on that. And um, John, I'm, I'm really surprised you haven't done it yet. We're ten, this is our 10th episode. We're 10 episodes in and you haven't done it. So I'm going to give you the free range. Let's go ahead and get the shameless plug on your music. Like how's that not came out yet? Yeah. Everyone um, I've heard from really likes the intro music, which is what, what um, some of John's music's intro to a song that they, they have coming out at some point. But um, yeah, plug, plug the, the music, man. So um, the band is Love Struck. It's my girlfriend and I. Uh, we've been playing since we've been together uh, going on five years. We recently got a band together. Um, Steph and I have been uh, writing a lot of originals lately, and the intro uh, music to this is uh, one of our – it'll actually be our first single that we're, we'll be putting out. It was going to be released at the beginning of this year, and then coronavirus – we were actually scheduled to release it in, like, March, but then coronavirus happened, and so it kind of threw off all of our live playing and our promotion because you know everyone was worried about their jobs and situation stuff so we decided to postpone the release for it um but if you like you know some of them if you like that intro bit uh be looking out you can uh, follow us on facebook we're uh, love struck uh, music on um or let's see i think it's yeah it's love struck music and on youtube uh youtube forward slash c forward slash um, love struck music on there as well you can just type in love struck and it'll come up on youtube though you don't need all that yeah we've been uh we've been building we've been building an audience for it we finally got a band together and hopefully this coronavirus stuff gets over with and we can uh, really get to playing we're like i said earlier um or a few minutes ago we're going to be playing tomorrow at uh, my drummer's house kind of like a first um official not really a gig but just kind of like a block party since people can't go out to bars and listen to bands um because of half capacity rules and things like that so we're going to be playing and jamming and um hopefully people enjoy that we'll try to get some videos and stuff and i'll link to it so if you want to if you follow me on um, uh, on any of the social media look for that and shout out to Steph. She's done, if you watch the YouTube videos, she's actually the one who put together that little picture intro that's on the, the YouTube videos now. And she's supposed to be helping us, you know, nail down more of a creative logo. So we're still working on that. So look for um, the logo to come out 
sooner rather than later, hopefully. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Again, do your homework. If you're a new listener and don't know what your homework assignment is, your homework assignment is to share this show with at least five friends each week. You can share more. We don't care. The more you share, we'll give you extra credit. I don't know. But at least five friends. We don't want anyone failing our stock class. And um, yeah, follow us on Twitter, at Swinging It. No just, just at Swinging It. And then, yeah, you can follow John on Burrell Invest on Twitter, on his personal account. And he also had the, has the Burrell Invest website where you can follow. He has a separate public trading account. So he, he runs two accounts. One's more for long-term type stuff and more just keep private. And then he has a account that he trades publicly on the Burrell Invest website. And this is basically the Trump stimulus account. He put all $1,200 of the Trump stimulus in this account. And he, he's trading, trading that as content for you guys. And again, he's, he's very calculated in what he does. And he minimizes risk. And most of his trades have very high profit profitability. So look on there if you need ideas. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So check out Burrell Invest. Yeah. And uh, just to add to that. So, um, you know, I, I try to publish this. I'm working on the website right now. I just want to go over that real quick. But um, this is every trade I've made in the public account. Um, the, the I call it the pump funds. And instead of the Trump funds, I call it the pump funds because he's constantly on social media trying to pop uh, pump up the stock market. So, yeah, all of these are, um, are you know, I list them. I show people what I'm doing and let people know when I'm doing it. And um, I haven't made a trade in this account since the 15th. Um, just kind of waiting and watching and seeing that, you know, like Chris said, I'm more uh, conservative when it comes to uh, the, the trading. I kind of take high probability trades that most likely will work out. And the ones that don't work out, I try to scratch. You know, these right here weren't profitable, but I didn't really lose, but maybe a dollar or two or something. But most of the trades in this account has actually been on volatility. I've traded a lot of UBXY in this account and uh, a little bit. It's all been shorts. Everything I put in this account has been shorts. So for the market to be going up and everything I'm doing shorts is kind of interesting. So it just kind of shows you the, the calculated uh, risk that I'm taking. But, um, but that's all I wanted to add on that. You can definitely check that out. It's pretty interesting, I think. And um, uh, I hope you guys have a good weekend, and we'll also see you on Monday. Yep, so, yeah, definitely give us a follow and connect with us on social media. You can find my personal account at McBride underscore 12, and that's on all platforms. And um, feel free to get involved. We want to we hear from our audience. Um, you can comment stocks you would like us to talk about, news stories you want us to talk about. You can connect with us and mix it up with us on Twitter, whatever you want to do. Um, like, share, review the um, podcast. John, I, you probably haven't looked, but right now we're sitting at a, a four-star rating on Apple. So that, I think that's pretty good to be one month in. Four out of five stars is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's hard to believe that we've been doing this uh, for a month. and uh, ten episodes. Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh, pretty crazy, but I I really enjoy doing this. This is something I always wanted to have someone to talk about the stock market with, but also record it. So when Chris 
you know, came to me about doing, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's, I'm ready. But uh, this, this helps us too. Like, even if we we're actually have quite a few listeners at this point and they're growing every day. Um, but even if we had no listeners or five listeners or 10 listeners or whatever, this helps me and John on our daily training because if we get on here twice a week, now we chat back and forth through like text message and stuff pretty much every day discussing what's going in the market, even if it's just once or twice a day, sometimes we talk for all day. But um, this gets us, forces us to do extra research on things that we don't actually focus on. So John normally trades mostly ETFs, commodities, but doing this podcast, we have the buy, sell, and watch segment. So John's forced to research some individual companies, stuff that he wouldn't do normally because that's not what he, he deals with, as well as forces me to kind of look at the ETFs, commodities. And it also allows us to discuss different news articles and our takes because we may read something and have a different view right at the gate. And then once we discuss it, it may change things. So just us forcing us to do research to talk to y'all about the stock market um, probably forces us to do a little bit more than what we normally would have just so we, you know, we can be, we want to be knowledgeable on what we're talking about. We don't want to just, you know, we do wing it on the quality, but we don't want to wing it on the actual content and the correctness of the content. So forces us to do extra research, forces us to have discussions which can help on a daily basis. And, you know, I think it's really been helpful. And like I said, I haven't even been doing this coming up on a year. John's been doing this for three years and he knows where he's a lot more technical. He knows a lot more, you know, the technical side of stuff. And of course I know a lot of the introductory stuff, but at some point we're going to get into some of these stock jargon um, concepts where I don't know much about it. And I'm learning with y'all as John um, tells us about it. So just being on here talking to him, I'm able to learn a lot more. So I hope y'all are enjoying the show. Let us know if you're not. Let us know if there's something that we could change to make it better. Let us know if something we're doing well so we keep on doing it and don't switch that up. Any segment ideas, anything like that. Um, again, we had my dad last week. We had a pretty good um, – ah, shit, this is back to the hillbillies not knowing words again. But um, – People liked the the interview, so and people expressed that they would they would enjoy if we had more interviews. So that's something we're going to try to do going forward is have a few more interviews on here. Um, so if any of our listeners knows someone who is a has experience in trading, is a so either a lot of experience in trading or a new person who just started trading. They want to come on and talk about it. Um, that might be a good interview to have someone who's just freshly starting out and discuss, you know, their highs and lows that they're going through right now, as well as if we had someone who has way more experience than we do, so we can ask them questions. That'd be a good interview. Or anyone that's kind of like my dad, who's in the real estate, small business, things like that, or any of the above. Um, cryptocurrency is one that if anyone knows anyone who wants to talk about cryptocurrency, shoot me a message because we, we don't know much about cryptocurrency, but we do know it's a big deal. So we'd like to have some cryptocurrency people on the show. So we're going to be um, looking to find some people to bring on the show and put in the effort there for, um, for everyone. But with that, that's all I have. 
Tomorrow is Friday. We've had the last two days have been down days. We had a huge day on Monday. Hopefully we see it turn around tomorrow. Yeah, and S&Ps are currently at $3,066.75. If I would have kept my damn short position, I would have been up a, 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 about 30 bucks at one point. I seen it tick down too, but these are large contracts. So I wasn't wanting to hold it very long. I, I closed it for like a dollar or two loss, but um, <laughs> these futures, I'm real interested in them. Um, I've been looking at indicators and different uh, different ways to gauge the market, but um, that's the S and P's going into um, into the night hours here. And uh, hope you guys have a good day on Friday of trading and a good weekend. Yep. So keep swinging it, and John, play that music.